0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and I got my co-host Yazin with me. How's it going, bro?
1: Doing pretty good. The NBA season has just started. We're in full swing after a pretty abysmal Christmas Day slate of games, but we're here to talk all about it.
0: Fabulous, right, well, great to hear. I'm pretty excited as well. First and foremost, I'd like to thank you listeners for tuning into our first episode last week as well as following all of our social media and other podcast platforms. I'm telling you, we really feel the love. Mm. We hope that you like the content thus far, and we promise to provide you with much more. With that said, we got ourselves an opening week. Lots to talk about, from the Brooklyn Two-Headed Monsters to the COVID outbreak in H-Town, as well as the Christmas Day games. Let's get started. Drop the beat. Welcome to this edition of Run That. We got a couple of topics that Yazen and I are going to be discussing over the course of the opening week in the NBA, starting off with what surprised you or disappointed you during the opening week of the 2020-2021 regular season. So Yazen, I'm going to start off with you. Let me know what's up.
1: Yeah, I mean, this has been a, a pretty, pretty weird opening week. Obviously, it's a shortened season. Uh, you know, we, we start the games off uh, two days before Christmas, uh, so, you know, what has surprised me, I guess, and, and you can't really think about what has surprised you because there's only been a few games, but uh, I will say that uh, you, you briefly mentioned it earlier, uh, was the two-headed beast over there in Brooklyn, uh, KD and Kyrie, um, their their game against the uh, the Warriors was a complete blowout. They just really ran them out the gym. Obviously, you know, a lot of people would jump to a lot of conclusions that, you know, this team is finals bound. They beat a Warriors team that doesn't have Klay Thompson, who I think you and I would agree is probably one of the most underrated players in the NBA, maybe in NBA history, uh, given what he did with Golden State. And um, they came back on on Christmas Day and just completely thrashed the Celtics, who were, who were seen as a contender. A lot of people were thinking, you know, maybe these two uh, wouldn't gel their egos would be a little too big um, but we've seen so far that you know they're working really well together and it pains me to say it but yeah uh, you know brooklyn looks like they might be the real deal out east
0: brooklyn oh, stop brooklyn. stop that's Matt. all you're going to be hearing in new york city i don't want to hear that new york Knicks. Nonsense. stop
1: that in new york is still a <laughs> Knicks town i don't care what you say what brooklyn says Brooklyn is the is the little cousin over in New York, all right? We live rent-free Pretty in well. Brooklyn.
0: <laughs> the Knicks are something not to be spoken about, especially in the streets of New York. They're, they've are they been long gone since the 90s, so oh, we're Gary. not trying to hear that right oh, now. Gary. But anyway, this is Nets town, so we're going to continue on from there. Yeah, so I definitely agree with you with regards to the Brooklyn Nets and the way they gelled so quickly, as well as how great Kyrie and KD have been playing I know there was doubts as to what kind of KD we would be getting uh, this year, but it looks like he picked up where he left off when he was with the Golden State Warriors. So uh, the one thing that really disappointed me, though, was the Raptors and how they have not played to the expectations. I understand it's pretty early right now. And again, they're still gelling with the big losses of Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol. But I mean, it's still early in the season. For that kind of disappointment, but obviously me being a Raptors homer, I'm still gonna take everything and blow it into proportion. So those are those are good um, hard
1: uh, losses. Uh, Gasol and, and Ibaka. Mm. I mean, I watched a little bit of the uh, of the game against uh, the Pelicans, and I mean Stephen Adams was was really having his way. You know, down low, uh, you know, a lot of shooters were getting open. Um, You know, he was really can. Controlling the painted area, you can see that without a guy like Gasol, without a guy like Ibaka, uh, that you know Aaron Baines might not be the one to necessarily fill that that void as quickly as you know people might have thought. Um, I definitely had that on my disappointed section. Although I mean, I'm not really disappointed that the Raptors are losing. I'm kind of happy, but uh, you know that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you there that you know the Raptors. They should still be atop top of the East. They should should still be uh, you know, one of the know, the the leaders out there. Um, but losing to two teams that missed the playoffs last year, not a good sign. Not a good start for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean they, they didn't meet to expectations thus far, but I mean we still got another, what, 70 games left in the season, so I'm not too worried about that. Although the one thing I want to say that really disappointed me actually is i guess the milwaukee bucks right being one and one in the season so far with the one win coming off christmas day against uh golden state warriors which is basically the stephen curry led golden state warriors it seems as though that Giannis didn't really improve on his jump shot i mean that was one of the key things over the course of the offseason that Giannis needed to work on in order to propel the bucks to the next level and kind of get over that hump in the eastern conference but it seems as though he hasn't really put it into display yet and it, you know, it gives me reason for cause a pause on whether he's maybe getting his players involved before he focuses on displaying his new improved shot. But it seems as though it's not um, not present whatsoever. And that's going to be very uh, important going down the stretch when it comes to the Bucks trying to get that uh, playoff excellence. Right. And I guess we're going to touch on it a bit later with regards to the conference standings and our predictions with Katie Kyrie balling the way they are right now, it kind of really shifts gears as to how I'm going to view the top of the East at this point. And I guess the clock is ticking for Giannis to really demonstrate that he's able to improve on his shooting woes of last year. So the verdict is still out on Giannis, but at the end of the day, Uh, we'll discuss further on our last segment. Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. um, I was just going to bring up one final point on Giannis. I mean, that team is going to go as far as his, his is basically. Uh, If, if he's not hitting free throws, if he's not hitting mid range jumpers, if he's not hitting three pointers, you know, you you can't, I know Giannis, you can't really see, say Giannis is one dimensional. He's not one dimensional. He's multi-dimensional, but In this day and age, as we've seen over the last, you know, 10 or so years, the one dimension that is probably most important is shooting, three-point shooting specifically. Uh, And if Giannis doesn't have that, uh, he's going to be in big trouble. Um, What disappointed me this week, uh, it was uh, the the Christmas Day schedule, Um, you know. Normally, the Christmas Day schedule is something that everyone looks forward to. The best of the best playing, you know, uh, heated rivalries. Normally, you have a NBA Finals rematch there. And this year, they, they tried to put some games together, and they were all blowouts. Not a single one was close. I spent my Christmas Day literally watching movies instead because none of the games were <laughs> remotely competitive. I mean, you know, the Pelicans get blown up by the heat. We saw what the Bucks did to the Warriors. We talked about what Brooklyn did to the Celtics. And, 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 and like, it, it just, it didn't make any sense that, okay, how, how do you get that so wrong? You know, put together some, some better matchups, maybe we should have seen, you know, some more stories uh, that would unfold and, you know, some historic uh, matchups, maybe those would have worked better, but I was thoroughly disappointed, uh, you know, in the Christmas day slate, you know, for all the talk about how oh the Knicks aren't good enough to be on Christmas. Well, I mean, look who, what happened on Christmas. Everyone was blown out. It was uh, abysmal. Uh, so that was, that would be my gripe with the first week disappointment.
0: Mm-hmm. And then just to tag on on that, you know, Christmas Day schedule, I thought the Nuggets was going to be a fantastic game considering the history that they had behind the 3-1 uh, series blow and, you know, the Nuggets advancing to the Western Conference Finals in 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 place of the Clippers. And, I mean, the Nuggets, obviously, they know that the Clippers are going to be very motivated to play this game. And fact that the Nuggets were very complacent, I mean, Paul George was literally going crazy. And again, I'm taking Paul George's game with a grain of salt right now because he usually does this during the regular season. And then playoff P, pandemic P, whatever P will pop up in the playoffs. So I'm not too worried about that. But, you know, just in terms of setting the tone, you know, with the loss of Jeremy Grant and a few other pieces, the insertion of Michael Porter Jr. into the lineup, I thought Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. Denver might be as well-rounded as we have seen from a team roster standpoint, and the fact that they didn't really show up was quite disappointing, obviously, with the Christmas Day slotted of game. So we'll see how the Nuggets prevail in the Western Conference, but right now it's kind of lopsided. You can already see the Kings and the Timberwolves leading in the Western Conference, and that's going to be short-lived, I can tell you that much. For sure. uh, but it just sucks But it just sucks that the Knicks can't really replicate what the Kings and Timberwolves are doing right now at least early in the season.
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll discuss that when we discuss the standing. We'll we'll, we'll see where I really really oh boy. think some end up. hot takes. We'll see where I think they end up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Michael Porter Jr., my my most improved player from last week, had a minus 14 out, out on the floor. So uh, that's not going to cut it. Jamal Murray, 9 for 20 uh, for 23 points. Uh, Nikola Jokic, uh, 7 for 13. Like, if, if you're shooting subpar 50% from the field, that's uh, not going to cut it, especially when you guys, guys like Kawhi and, and Paul George both shooting 57% from the field. Ibaka, 66%. Like, yeah, that game, I told you, that was my game of the week um, last week because I wanted to see the Clippers just completely annihilate the Nuggets. And that is exactly what they did. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen where the, uh, how, how much this week really represents what we're going to see this season.
0: Mm -hmm. And then lastly, just kind of touching on uh, the Houston Rockets. Obviously I've been pretty excited on, seeing the combination of John Wall and James Harden and seeing what they can do on the floor mm. and the fact that there was a, a COVID outbreak that that came to be really kind of pushed things back. Obviously, James Harden did come in and play against the Portland Trailblazers last night, which, again, will segue to our next topic, which we want to discuss about basically figuring out what the hell is really going on in H-Town, a.k.a. Houston, with James Harden and the COVID outbreak that has been going on and the fact that, Thunder Rockets game has been postponed and a a lot of the key rotation players like DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall and others were slotted onto a, a one week quarantine similar to James Harden and his four day quarantine, but he was able to get up pretty early. So maybe uh, we start off and discuss as to uh, what your thoughts on the COVID outbreak in Houston and how that impacts the team chemistry going forwards.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're going to, we're going to see a lot of this, this year. Um, the first non bubble NBA season in COVID Uh, you've seen with the NFL that, you know, they've had a lot of guys missing a lot of games, um, you know, for COVID COVID precautions as well. Uh, so there, this is probably the beginning of what's going to be a pretty rough season for NBA schedule makers and, and things like that. Um, so with regards to, uh, you know, the Houston Rockets, I mean, it only takes one person, uh, you know, for for a bunch of people to to test positive. Uh, and, and the NBA really needs to do a good job in uh, holding teams accountable and holding players accountable um, to not breach their protocols. Uh, you know, the NBA laid out the protocols that have basically banned players from attending bars, clubs, and lounges. Uh, and, I mean, I don't know if – it was James Harden himself. I know. I know there was a, a report that James Harden was at a strip club, and we know that James Harden fancies himself a, a strip club or two, uh, you know, every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for for Wall and Gordon and and, and Cousins and company to to also, uh, you know, deal with that outbreak, you know, who knows who to pin it on? It, it doesn't really matter at this point. What what matters is uh, you know the team really needs to really you know, fall in line just like every other NBA team, uh, you know, go to the, the the practice gym, put some shots up, you know, work out, things like that, and try to stay out of anything that could get them into trouble COVID-wise because it could throw the entire NBA season for a loop.
0: No, absolutely. I definitely agree. Considering what James Harden was able to do last night against the Portland Trailblazers, dropping, what, 44-10-7. 44, 10-7, he can do whatever the hell he wants outside of basketball if it means he's going to come on the court and be able to provide you a, virtually a 44-point triple-double almost, So, which which comes to the fact that once the players are cleared from COVID and they were able to come in and play, I don't know if, if James Harden is going to be around that long, which comes to my next point. Obviously, James Harden played last night and provided some big numbers, and I don't know if the intention is to show what kind of value he can present to other teams. Right. I, Cause I guess people have that recency bias where they would think that James Harden is not in it from a basketball standpoint mentally. And, you know, he just kind of want to do what he wants, but the fact that he was able to provide those big numbers and kind of show the world that, Hey, I'm still an MVP caliber player, hoping that other teams are willing to make the sacrifices necessary in order to bring an MVP talent like James Harden onto their respective roster. So, With that being said, uh, do you have any predictions as to whether he is staying in Houston or traded? And if he's traded, what potential destinations you would see James Harden?
1: I mean, James Harden is an enigma. Uh, This guy is he he just he doesn't make sense. Um, He comes into the season pretty out of shape. I mean, people people, you know, made the jokes. You saw all the pictures. Listen, all of us put on some some pandemic pounds. Uh, but all of us aren't worth $50 million like James Harden is. Uh, so for you to come into the season a little bit chunky, probably, you know, probably not that, that good of an idea. Um, he probably did it for
0: a good reason, though, to show Houston that, hey, I'm not committed to you guys anymore. Tank his own to, reputation. Hey, man, I guess it reminds me of the way Charles Barkley was trying to tank his draft value in order not to be drafted by Philadelphia. So. I don't know if he was trying to go with that approach, so to speak, but uh, go ahead.
1: I mean, I mean, possibly. Yeah. Um, I mean, it clearly didn't affect his basketball skill because he dropped 44 and 17 and the team only lost by two points. And He was playing with guys like Jay Sean Tate and Broderick Thomas. I don't know who either of those guys are. And, and they, he was still in it against the Portland Trailblazers, who you know are a great team. Um I think the writing was on the wall the minute that he turned down the opportunity to be the first ever $50 million per year player in the NBA in the state of Texas, which, as everyone knows, has no state tax. So that 50 mil, I mean, like a pretty decent amount of that is getting pocketed for James Harden. I don't understand. I mean, maybe he doesn't want to give management the benefit of the doubt. It is new management. Daryl Morey's gone. I know he loved Daryl Morey. I know he he really trusted in him. But, you know, if I'm him, you know, I I'd give it I'd give it a shot. They they tried to maneuver around a little bit, brought in John Wall who, you know, who knows how well he, you know, healed up from from that injury uh, over there in Washington and you know, to just kind of go into it and, and force your way out already. The Rockets are not in a position where they need to get rid of him. He is still under contract. Obviously, they're going to try and, and get as much as they can for him. And, you know, he's going to have say wherever he wants to go. And, and And the Rockets really like as of now, they shouldn't feel like they have to have their hand forced. I think he will force his way out. Where? I, I don't know. I kind of want to punt that to you first to see if you A, agree that he wants out and then B, where you think his most logical destinations are.
0: Yeah, I I totally think that he has mentally checked out of Houston. I mean, you can already tell based off Woj's reports on the various destinations at which James Harden seeks interest in right? I think the last two teams that were added to the list was the Celtics and the Trailblazers. So Woj is not making that up. He, he's, he's a guy that is pretty reputable with these kinds of news. So I can already tell you right off the bat that James Harden is, for the most part, done in Houston. It's just a matter of when he will be leaving. As for predictions to where he might go, when you're looking at teams like the Celtics or even the Miami Heat, they do have pieces in which they can put a package together. So if I'm looking at the Celtics, you know, making Jalen Brown expendable, made packaging with other, other pieces such as Marcus Smart. I, I know they have a plethora of first round picks and Danny Ainge seems to be, I guess he has a reputation of collecting all these assets and not really doing much with it, right? You can already remember from a few years ago where they collected literally a U-Haul of first round picks from the Brooklyn Nets and didn't really do much with it. We always heard about, Them trying to go after Anthony Davis, that didn't seem to work out. Paul George, that didn't work out. DeMarcus Cousins from Sacramento Kings, that didn't work out. So basically, the Celtics have not really proved that they're able to utilize their assets to the best of their abilities to bring in superstars like a James Harden type. So I feel like Jalen Brown would probably be a good piece. And if they're able to put something together, I can see potentially... The Houston Rockets fighting on that. As for the Heat, they got a couple of pieces there. Probably not as not as valuable as the Celtics, but I mean they still have young, promising pieces in Tyler Hero, draft picks and I think the Heat you know pulled other, out, actually. other players that can throw in them.
1: I believe last week was that? I believe last week the Heat uh like pulled out of Interest in James Harden. Actually, they were my destination that I thought made the most sense as well. But I think a report not too long ago stated that uh, that they no longer had interest in trading for him. So that definitely dwindles down the amount of people that can that can trade for Harden.
0: Okay, yeah. So I mean, I can maybe see Portland, but again, I don't know what they can offer outside of maybe CJ McCollum, because obviously Portland has always been that team that just hangs around in the Western Conference, but never really gotten over the hump. And maybe it means that they got to part ways with the Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum tandem, right? So, you know, replacing a guy like him with a James Harden, another MVP type player could be something beneficial for the Portland Trailblazers and potentially going over the hump, right? I mean, they're, they're a pretty well-rounded team, obviously with the additions of Robert Covington, And, you know, the resurgence of Carmelo Anthony. So, I mean, they're able to put pieces together, probably not Robert Covington because they just traded for him. So with that being said, I do not see Brooklyn Nets being an option just because they're playing so well. And the fact that they potentially might have the deepest bench in the East, but in the the NBA rather, I mean, you don't want to mess with something that's good already and maybe bring a guy like James Harden might be a little bit too much star power for them
1: yeah i agree 100 you know, percent.
0: katie and kyrie are already putting up 30 pieces together and they're meshing so well and i feel like if you're adding a guy like james harden in there it might be problematic so if there was any team that i would feel that would fit perfectly with the james harden sweet shakes, it'd probably be the celtics or or the portland Trailblazers. so
1: yeah i mean for for brooklyn it, i don't think it makes sense right now Definitely doesn't make sense right now. you got two guys who are just trying to get things started in Katie and Kyrie. Uh, and, I mean, for Houston, I mean, Wo- Woj actually reported that Harden's access price is, quote, a package that includes a young franchise cornerstone and a bundle of first-round picks and or talented players on rookie contracts. I- I'm surmised to say that Karis Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie, your boy Spencer Dinwiddie, are not franchise cornerstones in the least. Uh, I think they're just filler guys on the bench who uh you know who... well i mean
0: Levert, lavert could be that guy a friend like LeVert, a LeVert.
1: franchise come on a franchise cornerstone no, 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 no,
0: like a young player star in the making like Karis lavert is i'm telling you right now if he's on the new york knicks this guy would be a 25 point per game player oh, i'm not trying to hear this right now okay. not, uh, no, <laughs> he would literally be the best, he would literally be the best player on that team by far
1: I will not accept Nick Slander this early in the season. Uh, we have a long ways to go. But I will say Karis LeVert is definitely not, so. not a franchise cornerstone. But here, let me let me throw you two teams that I think uh, actually make the most sense for for not only for James Harden, but for Houston too. Uh, number one would be the Philadelphia 76ers, obviously. You know, Daryl Morey is now in charge over there. Uh, he and Harden had a great relationship. Uh, and, you know, I, I watched – Philadelphia play yesterday and they're really they have a lot of shooting now Uh, you know they don't really have a point guard I mean Ben Simmons is their de facto point guard he's kind of that point forward LeBron kind of prototype just not anywhere near that level but you know they they don't have a really dominant ball handler and I think James Harden can really be that dominant ball handler it would probably cost the Philadelphia 76ers Ben Simmons but you know the opportunity to put James Harden around a ton more shooters you know you have Danny Green out there you have uh, Furkan Korkmaz. as you have uh, you know even shake Milton yesterday was he was in um, some deep threes and you give uh, James Harden a guy like Joel Embiid a cleanup guy a pick and roll guy a guy who plays really good defense uh, you know in tow I think that would make a lot of sense for them it would be pretty smooth you know pick and roll offense uh, Doc Rivers and James Harden I mean I'd like James Harden is probably not the stereotypical doc rivers player but that could make a lot of sense the other team a little a little out there is the golden state warriors i mean you know golden state is not a team that wants to rebuild like you know they were bad last year because they lost obviously katie and they lost clay and then they lost steph for a long time and this year they lost clay as well and you've seen that they're not really good right now but they don't plan on blowing things up. They plan on being in contention. They drafted James Wiseman, uh, you know, earlier this uh, year. And, you know, they still have first-round picks, of course. You know, you can obviously give first-round picks every other year. So And they haven't really traded any of those. Uh, I think a package of James Wiseman and Andrew Wiggins, who's still unproven, uh, only 25 years old still. Uh, three first round picks. Bro, for let's, let,
0: let's end the man. Like, he's just such an embarrassment to Toronto athletes and just Canadian stars in general <laughs> because this guy was the next coming of like LeBron James coming out of high school and prep and then coming into the NBA being a first overall pick. And I don't know if he was the first overall pick before after Anthony Bennett.
1: He was and, after.
0: Yeah. And the fact that Anthony Bennett being that number one overall pick and not panning out. It was the verdict out on Andrew Wiggins, even though he had that high-level potential in terms of being the next Canadian star. He gets shipped off to Minnesota, and he had done nothing with the franchise that gave him a key to run the show. And the fact that he got traded to Golden State I kind of gave him that last final chance. I'm like, okay, it's a perfect opportunity for you to work on a third, fourth option on a championship level team. All you really need to do is just being able to hit shots when the ball is passed to you, being able to play defense, be able to set screens for guys like Curry, Thompson. But the first day, absolutely horrendous. Like you're talking when Steph Curry is sitting out and you have the ball in your hands as basically the only viable player to really put the ball on the floor and you're telling me that you can't make a layup you can't really post up like he's literally the Kwame Brown of small forwards oh, no. that, literally he's not bad no. i totally done with this guy when you see guy like Jamal Murray even Kelly Olenek bro like I don't really want to gas this guy but this guy is able to do more with NBA career than oh, Andrew Wiggins Kwame, outside of making money.
1: Brown. Kwame literally, Brown Kwame Brown
0: Small hands, rough. Small,
1: feet, small hands, small hands. Oh my God. <laughs> this man should not, not be able to play in game of basketball. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> not
0: able to repeat one post move. But I, I, again, jokes aside, Andrew Wiggins is not it for me. And then getting back to what you said about the 76ers, I just don't see the Houston Rockets, Ben Simmons, and pairing him with John Wall. It just, from a basketball standpoint, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know why the Houston Rockets would do that. And the fact that you're trading with Daryl Morey, I think he's the last guy on your list that you want to deal with, especially the fact that he just left the organization. If I was the Denver Nuggets, I might try to think of maybe putting a package together, maybe utilizing a player like Michael Porter Jr. and adding a few young pieces to it, plus draft picks and bring a guy like James Harden into that system. I wouldn't mind seeing that putting a trio of Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and James Harden together would make it for the best big three in the league today. I wouldn't mind seeing Denver doing that, and I feel like from a basketball standpoint, it makes sense, but I don't see the Philadelphia 76ers, or at least the Houston Rockets, taking the Sixers trade for Ben Simmons. Even though I understand he is a young star, a young franchise star, I just don't see Ben Simmons and John Wall with kind of the similar basketball play, playing together and being a combined what? Hundred million dollar per year backcourt. Mm. I I don't see that happening to be honest.
1: It, uh, it it remains to be seen. I mean Denver definitely. I mean you're gonna get a lot of guys who like having the basketball in their hands if you have uh, Harden and Murray there. But uh, yeah, I mean someone's gonna trade for him. I I think at the end of the day someone has to swing for him. He's a uh, he's a former MVP, perennial All Star, first team NBA uh, league leader in scoring for most of the the previous decade. Um, You know, someone's going to someone's going to bite. I think they'll probably bite at a point where his um, stock is probably, you know, low, but doesn't look like it's getting any lower now. I think the asking price will have to budge at some point, uh, because if you have an unmotivated superstar, it's a recipe for disaster. We've seen it many, many times. Uh, so at some point they're going to have to find a, a package for him. And, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see who takes on, uh, that, that giant contract of his and, and the, you know, inability to play defense. But I mean, you got a guy who who can put him 44 and 17, uh, with a beer gut. So like, you know, you're, you're going to want someone like that who can just pour it in for you offensively and then you figure out the rest later. So, uh, we'll see who it's going to be. I don't know.
0: All right, that wraps up the James Harden topic. The next topic that we would like to discuss is Eastern and Western Conference. So, Yazin, I'm going to start off with you. Provide your list as to who you think will be the top eight in the East as well as the West.
1: Ooh, top eight. All right. Let's see. So, in the East, we're going to start at number eight with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, You know, Like I had said last week, they have improved uh, mightily. Um, They have now a lot more veteran leadership. As you can see, they are currently undefeated right now. I know it's early in the NBA season, but uh, you know, Trey Young with the, you know, Young Bunch and Company, Herder, Reddish, uh, um, John Collins, and guys like that, uh, mixed alongside with Bogdanovich and Gallinari and, and Rondo, I think that propels them uh, into the playoffs. My my seventh seed was a, a playoff uh, team. Last year it was the Indiana Pacers. I have them dropping a little bit from where their final standings were last year, uh, only because a lot of other teams got better, and they didn't necessarily make any moves to really improve improve Uh, sabonis is still a beast down low Um, him and miles Turner provide very good stability in the front court Uh, you know you have brogdon and oladipo in the backcourt and tj warren who was a, a bubble a superstar really um, but with all the other teams improving a little bit too much I think they they probably dropped down a little bit uh, my my number six seed is a little bit of a surprise it's actually the uh the Toronto Raptors you now as we've seen they have struggled a little bit uh, they did lose a lot of key players uh, you know like we have mentioned Marcus Gasol and Serge Baca and I don't think they really you know filled in that productivity uh, on both the offensive and defensive end so you know with with other teams retooling and getting better, Toronto necessarily didn't get any better. They I feel like they got a little bit worse. So my number five seed would be the Boston Celtics. Uh, again, losing Gordon Hayward, you know, he wasn't at the the Utah Jazz Gordon Hayward that we saw, but still losing a, a scoring option like that on the wing is still pretty bad for for Boston. Uh, I think you know. Uh, upgrading Tristan Thompson uh, at the center position over and his Cantor is definitely going to help them whenever he gets back and whenever Kemba gets back as well. Uh, but I have them slated at the five seed. My four seed, as much as it pains me to say it, is the Brooklyn Nets. They are looking pretty, pretty unstoppable right now, although they did lose to, to Charlotte uh, last night. So, you know, Katie and Kyrie can, if they can produce similar to what LeBron and Kyrie produced in 2016 with the Cavs, they might be dangerous. Depth might be a little bit of an issue for them, but all around, I mean, they have a, enough to be a, a top four team. Uh, number three is Billy. I think actually they really quietly improved a lot uh, over the off season. getting rid of Al Horford, who <laughs> I think you and I would agree is pretty useless. You know, bringing in a guy like Seth Curry and uh, Danny Green and, and, providing a lot of shooting, which that team desperately, desperately needed. I mean, if they had that shooting, you know, a couple years ago against the Raptors, we might be talking about a completely different 76ers team. Um, So I think they actually have a run. And not to mention, I I kind of factored in the James Harden factor. In case they do trade for him, that would definitely keep them up here. Uh, But I think they have what it takes to be a top three seed. Uh, Number two for me is Miami, Uh, Miami, you know, the Eastern Conference champions from last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they really kept the entire bunch together. Uh, You know, that team will now gel a lot more. I think, Uh, you know, last year they went to the finals as a fifth seed, which pretty unheard of. I mean, you know, typically it doesn't happen that, you know, a bottom five seed team makes it to the NBA finals but I think chemistry's there I think you know as long as everyone stays healthy uh Bam Adebayo and, and Tyler Hero will continue to thrive Jimmy Butler's proven leader over there in in Miami and I think they uh they launched themselves up to the number two seed and the number one seed for me uh is the Milwaukee Bucks they got thrashed by the New York Knicks last night by 20 points absolutely thrashed uh, even, you know, this is before uh, I made these standings before watching this. I might have put them at the 15th seed after this one. But, uh, you know, Milwaukee's still Milwaukee. Giannis is still Giannis. Uh, you know, he they brought in Drew Holiday. He's a huge upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. You know, that enough is uh, is, is enough for them to keep the regular season champion there in, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, will it translate into the playoffs? I don't know. Uh, but those are my top eight in the East. I uh, want to hear what your takes are.
0: All right. Well, I will say that I agree with you from eight seed to six seed, but then you start to go quite left after six. So it started with number five. I'm going to say is the Philadelphia 76ers. They're still gelling and learning a new offense. The verdict is still loud on Ben Simmons with regards to his shooting ability. Again, like I mentioned, shooting is critical in the playoffs and I still haven't seen much promise when it comes to Ben Simmons and his ability to create his own shot. So I feel like, you know, being the second superstar, is going to be critical in order to generate some scoring. Joel and B can do everything. I understand they did get complimentary shooting pieces in Danny Green and Seth Curry. I just don't know about the 76ers. I mean, time will tell. So I'm going to leave them at five. Number four, I'm going to be... Putting the Miami Heat, they lost some key pieces in Jay Crowder and others with regards to the three and D and replacing it with, you know, guys like, I I know they had Igudala, but they really haven't improved much on that side. Avery Bradley, like, he he, he can't shoot the three ball. He he might give you a little mid-range here and there, but, like, when you look at other players like Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, imagine adding Avery Bradley. Yes, defensively, you're going to be nice, but, again... They lost some key playoff shooting in Jay Crowder and others, but I'm going to leave them at four because they're still able to be that dark horse in the E like last year. So time will tell on that. As for the third seed, I'm putting the Boston Celtics. I mean, they have two guys in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who can both put a 30 piece on any team uh, at any given night. They can even be the marquee guy, and the other guy could be a supporting robin role in terms of dropping at least 25 points per game. I know they did lose a bit of depth, obviously, on the bench, as well as the big. But obviously, Kemba Walker might impact their record in the standings being out till I believe, I think February was for what I heard, mm-hmm. January, February. So I could see them slipping. So that's why I kind of left them at three. I'm just assuming with Kemba Walker coming in at the right time, I feel like they could be a top three seed in the East. Second, might be a shocker for a few people, but I'm putting the Milwaukee Bucks number two. Oh, wow. Again, if you're telling me that Milwaukee's a superior team losing to a 15th seed like the New York Knicks, that, that's quite, How telling, dare you? To, that's quite How telling, telling you? That's quite telling Man, come on. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. Our Mississauga Valleys team, BBB, could probably beat the New York Knicks. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Would would you stop? Oh, Our team God. would beat the New York Knicks. I'll tell you that right I'm now. I'm not having any of this. I'm putting a I'm putting a three on Reggie Bullock's head, top First off, uh, second. Oh off. my goodness! We've always preached this, where Giannis has to show a level improvement from a shoot from a shot making ability, and. You know, just looking at the Christmas Day game and then looking at the uh, New York Knicks game, it just, it's tough, man. It's it's tough to watch. The way defenses are sagging off on him as he approaches the three-point line, it's going to be something that he needs to adjust as quickly as possible. There's Mm -hmm. not really much to put to it. I mean, the rest of the team, obviously the expectation is there. They got to make shots. But again, Giannis needs to be able to shoot the basketball when defenses get tight and I'm still not seeing it yet, so I'm going to leave it at two, which leads me to number one, which would be the Brooklyn Nets. I know they lost to Charlotte, but, I mean, both respectively scored over 26 points in the contest. So it looked like the, the depth didn't show up last game, but, I mean, you can always have off games with your depth as long as your stars show out day in, day out. And that's what matters, right? And that's the difference I see between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets. So that's my top eight right now.
1: I mean, we're pretty close. Uh, You know, I think uh, you can really interchange any of those teams on any given night. It's still super early. I mean, this is, (laughs) we're giving first week predictions. Uh, You know, none of this might pan out and, you know, injuries and and trades might change things. But uh, I think, you know, overall, the same eight teams are going to be there. Uh, you know, no no real surprises.
0: And that wraps up the Eastern Conference. We'll start with our predictions with the Western Conference. Yazan, yes, I'll start with you. Give me a list on who you got for the top eight in the Western Conference.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'll give you the top eight and I'll also give you the the two play-in teams now that the NBA has the new play-in format as well uh, with the nine and ten seeds. But we'll start, uh, we'll start with the eight, the traditional standings. Uh, my eighth seed is the Dallas Mavericks. Um, You know, Luka Doncic, we discussed last week, is definitely an MVP candidate. Uh, you know, we've seen flashes of him, you know, really just becoming a a true superstar in this league. Um, you know, but I don't think that he has enough talent around him, uh, to really get far. Uh, I know they brought KP in and, you know, I am a, a little bit of a KP hater, self admittedly. Um, but he is injured right now. Um, you know, he's not, he's not, you know, being the Robin to Luca's Batman Uh, you know, they made a couple of deals, you know, to bring in Josh Richardson, you know, a little more defense there, Um, you know, a well-rounded player in Josh Richardson. Um, But, you know, without that, that number two punch, we've seen in the NBA that tandems and big threes really dominate the league. Uh, And if Luca doesn't have that, he's not really going to go far, but I think he has enough, pure talent to propel them into uh, the playoffs, at least as an eighth seed. Um, so my, my seventh seed is the Phoenix Suns. Last week, we discussed a lot about the Suns, about how well, much improved they are. And really the the CP3 effect, the Chris Paul effect is is real. Last year, he took the nobody ragtag thunder group uh, and and turned them into the fifth seed. Uh, in the playoffs, which nobody saw coming. Uh, He really proved that, you know, in his late 30s that he's still just as valuable as he was, uh, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, He's going to come in and help the budding superstar in Devin Booker really, you know, fulfill his potential. You had DeAndre Ayton as your most improved player, I believe, last week. Uh, And, you know, CP3 is really going to have you know, an impact on that, Um, you know, and I've I've watched a little bit of their game so far and I've seen the spacing on the floor, Uh, you know, McCall Bridges and Cam Johnson, uh, you know, and guys like that are are really going to find their way. Uh, You know, all of them are going to probably have an uptick in points and, you know, CP three is, I think the the one piece that the, uh, that bubble Suns team that really went undefeated and almost made it into the playoffs I think he's that one piece that that finally vaults him in. So I have them slated there at seven. My sixth seed is the aforementioned Houston Rockets. Now, uh, you know, Harden is Harden, MVP candidate, always top 10 player in the league, top scorer in the league. Uh, we're It remains to be seen how well he works with John Wall and really how well John Wall progresses from his injury, he had two really debilitating injuries in the span of a year that normal people don't come back from one of them, let alone two of them within a 12-month span. So it's going to be hard for me to to think that Harden can necessarily do it alone. We've always seen that he's had a partner in crime, whether it be Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook, um, and also the fact that the the hardened trade rumors are always going to swirl, so it, I, f- I find it very hard for me to to put them any higher than sixth, Given that if they do ship them off around you know the All Star break before the deadline, that will tank them you know definitely out of the playoffs. But for now, we'll keep him at six, uh, assuming that Harden stays. Uh, my number five seed is the Portland Trailblazers, who last year uh, won the play-in tournament and made it in as an eighth seed and, you know, really punched the Los Angeles Lakers in the face. And then, of course, they they went on to lose that series. But, you know, Dame Lillard, perennial MVP candidate, I think that this might be even more of a breakout season. It's kind of hard to say that it's a breakout season considering how well he's been over the last couple of years, um, bringing in guys like Robert Covington, re-signing Cantor, Hood, and Carmelo. They are very deep. Uh, they're very talented. Um, they really are going to complement each other well. Uh, CJ and Dame are going to continue to do their thing, and I think they really take a, a big leap here and get uh, into the top five. Uh, number four, I have the Denver Nuggets, who you know last year we saw made that miraculous trip to the Western Conference Finals, um, you know, but for a team that went down three games to one twice, that isn't necessarily promising. That you know, yes, they did come back, of course, um, but to put yourself in that situation means that, you know, it, it was really a bounce of a basketball here and there that could have really ended their season uh, much earlier than it than it did. Um, you know, Jamal Murray is going to continue to be a superstar. Nikola Jokic going to continue to be a superstar. Michael Porter Jr. was the most improved player candidate that I had from last week. Um, we'll see if he can really fill in that void at the four and really be an upgrade over Paul Millsap. Uh, we'll see if guys like Monte Morris can do their thing and, and really and Gary Harris as well can can put in the points to keep them up there and give them home court advantage. Uh, number three is the Utah Jazz, the team that the Denver Nuggets actually beat in the playoffs. Um, you know they re-signed Donovan Mitchell to a big deal. They I don't know why signed Rudy Gobert to a $200 million deal for a big man. You know, even mediocre big men can get those big deals, but you know, listen to our discussion last week to, to really hear my true feelings on that one. You know, they brought bring in Bogdanovich back. Um, you know, they have guys like Clarkson back uh, Ingalls and Conley are a really good compliments that you know, that team is is a very rough and, you know, team to, to play against, you know, they're, they're not soft at all. You know, I mean, Rudy Gobert's a, a different story, but uh, I definitely think that they have enough talent to be the the three seed there. And it really depends on that, that $400 million duo that they have, you know, how far can they really take Mm -hmm. them? Number two, the, the Los Angeles Clippers now, you know, notwithstanding that 50-point drubbing that they got from the Dallas Mavericks, we'll have to put that one aside. Kawhi was hurt. He's injured, you know, but it's no excuse for for Paul George to not be able to at least make that close. But with that being said, those two guys are still going to put in a lot of points. They're going to play a lot of defense. They're going to shoot very well, over 60% from the field. Um, you know, guys like Kennard and... Ibaka are going to be very good compliments to them as well. Patrick Beverly—they're going to be a really tough defensive team to beat, and you know, a very efficient offensive team. So, again, keep that fifty-point debacle out of your purview, and, and, and you can see that they have the makings of a, a team that can make it to the championship. Uh, and that leaves the my number one seed, who are the defending champions, the Los Angeles Lakers. As we said last week, in this league, if you don't get any better, you're getting worse, and you know, they didn't keep it status quo, they actually improved and you know, with Harrell and Schroeder coming off the bench, Kyle Kuzma in tow, uh even K C P now is, is looking uh like he can put guys on posters as we saw uh last night. Um so this team got definitely better. LeBron James is still the greatest basketball player in the world right now. There's no touching him. Uh even in year eighteen he, he's he's as efficient as he's ever been. He has maybe arguably his best teammate right now in Anthony Davis. I know that might be a little bit of a hot take, you know, comparing considering that he's teamed up with guys like D. Wade and Kyrie. But I think Anthony Davis might be the best player LeBron has ever played with, and he's showing it. And, you know, Anthony Davis might be, arguably by the end of the season, the best player on that team. And, you know, I think it's going to be really hard to topple the Lakers there at the top of the Western Conference.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with most of your list there. Just there's a few minor adjustments I would make to my list. Firstly, my eighth seed would be the Memphis Grizzlies. Basically, the way John Moran has been playing over the course of last year, almost propelling that young team into the playoffs, only losing to the Portland Trailblazers in the play-in tournament, showed a lot of promise with the young core of Brooks and then trading for Bain from TCU. And, you know, having veteran leadership like JV and others, they're a pretty well-rounded young team on the come up. So I'm looking forward to see John Moranch just kind of take this team to the next level. As for the seventh seed, I agree with you with the Phoenix Suns. I mean, Chris Paul, you were able to see what he's able to do with the OKC Thunder last year by bringing them into the playoffs and playing a really competitive series with the Houston Rockets. So I mean, it's uh, sky's the limit with the Phoenix Suns with those two young players in Booker and Aiton. And I feel like that will unlock a lot of their offensive game. With the additions of Jay Crowder being a three and D gritty player will be very ideal in that situation. So looking forward to see what Phoenix can do on a a day-to-day basis, as well as in the playoffs. My number six seed will be the Dallas Mavericks. I'm obviously a firm believer in Luka Doncic being an MVP caliber player. And I understand that KP will not be available probably for most of the season. I'm hoping that he would have a a quick recovery and hop on the roster. But I mean, I feel like Dallas has done enough from a roster standpoint in adding more defense and grit to take the pressure off Luka Doncic as he was bullied in the playoffs last year by the Clippers, as an example, bringing guys like James Johnson and Richardson. Those are key players that will help create that defensive identity for Dallas Mavericks. So time will tell on that. As for the fifth seed, it would be the Portland Trailblazers. They're by far one of the most well-rounded teams in the West, but obviously the injury bug has always been a reoccurring theme with this team, which wouldn't allow them to propel to new heights. I'm hoping with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum to you know use guys like Robert Covington, New Edition, as well as a full season of Nurkic, And hopefully Zach Collins, who uh, should be coming back from injury, if not back already, as well as the resurgence of Carmelo Anthony. Portland Trailblazers look pretty good, but we're going to have to see over the course of the season where they can maintain health in order to challenge a top four in the West. The fourth seed, I have the Utah Jazz. You know, last year, Donovan Mitchell was able to show what he can do as a young and trending superstar in this mm-hmm. league with a lot of big games against Denver Nuggets, who happened to make it to the Western Conference Finals. And, you know, with the with the quote-unquote addition of Bogdanovich, even though he was on the team, but he, he didn't show up to the bubble. But now bringing him back on board... Uh, We'll definitely share the wealth in terms of another offensive player who can create his own shots and be able to be used in high leverage situations. So we're looking forward to see what the Utah Jazz can do on the next level. Number three, I have the Denver Nuggets. Obviously, as you mentioned, they came back from two, three, one deficits that will most likely will never happen again. So with that being said, they lost a few key pieces in uh, Jeremy Grant and others. And I feel like with the Ascension of Michael Porter Jr. inserting into starting lineup, I feel, will make up for some of that loss. And, you know, he showed some promise in the bubble, and I'm sure that he is able to kind of keep things moving with, you know, basically what Jamal Murray was able to do last season in the bubble. He showed flashes of superstardom, and obviously with the tandem between him and Jokic, it's definitely going to be something worth mentioning in the near future and hopefully be able to get out of the West and crack a finals berth. As for number two, I got the Los Angeles Clippers, quite the embarrassing loss they had <laughs> yesterday against the Dallas Mavericks, but we'll just leave it at that. I mean, they have, they have two stars in Paul George and Kawhi, and made some key additions in free agency with Serge Ibaka, Nicholas Batum, who has been shockingly pretty good in the season so thus far. So we're looking forward to how much he can contribute to this loaded squad, and then obviously adding a guy, Luke Kondar, that can stretch the floor as well. I feel like sky could be the limit, but at the end of the day, it really depends on a whether Kawhi could depend on day-in, day-out without any, I guess, additional help from Paul George because we don't really know what kind of Paul George we're getting in the playoffs. So I feel like it has to be like a heroic effort, Hercules type effort from you know Kawhi Leonard if the Clippers do really stand a chance in the West. So, but in the end, when you're looking at the roster on paper, they're a pretty good team. So I'm going to leave them at number two. And then lastly, number one, I definitely agree with you there with the Los Angeles Lakers. They did not stay complacent. They were able to add a few key pieces like Shorter and Harrell and Marcus who's washed, but You know, he's still better (laughs) than Javel McGee, as I mentioned previously. (laughs) But I mean, you know, they they've done a good job in improving the core and you can already see already, you know, the effects of it. I mean last game i believe schroeder and Harrell combined for over 40 points and and that's just the beginning right once this team starts to gel and starts to clean up a lot of the miscues i believe that they're able to move to you know a situation where they could have a high chance to repeat so time will tell there but that's my top eight with the western conference
1: so who do you got as your uh your nine and ten seeds as your your play in teams
0: I mean, it's tough. I think the only team worth mentioning for me is probably the New Orleans Pelicans. They they definitely have some some pieces there on their roster with, you know, the acquisition of Steven Adams, uh, the improvement from Lonzo Ball, and the additions of Eric Bledsoe. Uh, I feel like they're able to put something together to cause some havoc in the lower seeds of the Western playoff spot. So that's probably one team I'd keep an eye out on. As for the Sacramento Kings, I mean, they were able to make a push, last year almost to the play-in tournament but they fell short I feel like this is the year that everybody's kind of looking at whether the Sacramento Kings are going to show some kind of growth obviously they had some injuries with Marvin Bagley and he was a key lottery pick that they're looking to impose within their starting lineup and and within the regular season so again time will tell with that but those are the two teams that I would feel from the Western Conference that can maybe cause a challenge in a playing tournament, but I highly doubt it. I feel like Memphis Grizzlies are the superior team between the three. Honorable mention would probably be the Golden State Warriors, only if Steph Curry can play at a hero level and and if Draymond Green can show some kind of offensive prowl, which uh, I'm not too overly optimistic on. Uh, defensively, they might be uh, better, but I, I mean, they're really going to miss Clay Thompson. So, I don't know if they're going to make the play-in tournament or not, but as for the two teams, I have the New Orleans Pelicans and the Sacramento Kings. How about you?
1: I mean, my my ten seed is the Memphis Grizzlies, who you mentioned. Um, you know that that team can be carried by John Morant. He's a he's a special special player. Um, you know, having guys like Dylan Brooks and JV and Tone, Jaron Jackson Jr., um, you know, will definitely, you know, give them enough to be, to be young and competitive and hungry. Um, you know, so I, th- I think they definitely get into the playing uh, game. Uh, and I think they play the New Orleans Pelicans, who you mentioned as well. Um, you know, Zion Williamson is, is on the, the up and up. Uh, as long as he stays healthy, as long as he stays uh, in shape, um, you know that team can can really do wonders. You know, Bi was the uh, most improved player last year. Lonzo Ball has been working on his shot, like you said. Um, Stephen Adams is really probably the most underrated acquisition. In the NBA, because it's going to allow him to really take some of the punishment away from Zion, allow Zion to flourish a little bit, stay healthy. Because Stephen Adams is Jason Momoa on on the on the court, like he's untouchable. He's he's a scary, scary dude. Super guy strong, just super strong. Just has his will with people, pushes them around, can take fouls, grabs boards. So that allows Zion to really be a lot more flexible and versatile. I think actually. The the Pelicans would beat the Grizzlies in that play in game and then would have to face the loser of the 7 8 matchup. And I think that the Pelicans can actually get into the playoffs through the play in uh, tournament. I think they have a lot of go to guys. Brendan Ingram can take over a game. Uh, You know, Lonzo Ball is really good at directing traffic. Uh, They have shooters in, 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 you know, JJ Reddick. And like I said, with Zion playing well. They can work through him. Adams is going to take a lot of the pressure off him, uh, and he's a veteran. Of course, you know you want to bring veterans to to bring those those young guys in tow. Uh, you know, even a guy like Jackson Hayes, uh, who's their backup center now, he's going to learn a lot from from Stephen Adams. You now that team, I think, has a potential to you know make it through that play in tournament, and you know maybe be a dark horse to to advance a round or two. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm very high on those Pelicans.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm not surprised and nor would I be shocked if the Pelicans make it to the to the dance. I mean they're they're pretty well on the team. They have their guy in Brandon Ingram that can, you know, get you a bucket if need be. So I'm not complaining if they make it. But uh I don't know. There's something about John Morant that screams young superstar in the league and just the way he's been carrying himself and you know, with the team that he has around him, I feel like they probably have the bigs that could potentially neutralize the, the Pelicans' bigs. But, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be something worth watching for sure. Could you imagine a Grizzlies-Pelicans play in tournament two games? That would be absolutely Oof. unbelievable. And that's definitely must-watch TV, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, that's the future of the league right there, man. Going at it right now, that is it's always exciting. Always exciting.
0: I'm definitely looking forward to that. So, that wraps up the East and Western Conference. I want to touch on the AO moments of the week. AO, hey, what the f***? And my AO moment was... The fact that the Clippers got absolutely skunked. I mean, I don't know if I could use skunk as a word. <laughs> like when you're losing 2K by 20 or above, you call it a skunk. But losing by 50, I don't really know what kind of word we could use for this one. This is utter embarrassment. And I understand that Kawhi Leonard did not play in yesterday's game. But when you have a guy like Paul George and the pieces around him, I feel like you need to display that willingness to win and that competitiveness, at least to make it close. I understand you're not going to win every game, but... The fact that you lose by 50 points to a team that is probably projected to be, you know, a fifth to sixth seed at the highest right now, Um, I, I feel like, you know, with the high expectations the Clippers have had with the Lakers improving as they did, I don't think it's a good look. Especially not very promising for Kawhi, seeing the type of porting cast that he would have in the playoffs that they can't really produce at a high level. So that was definitely shocking to me there. And I really, really hope that the Clippers find a way to improve because if they're not good, I mean, the Western Conference won't be as intriguing as as we see fit. Obviously, they do have a lot of good teams there, but that. LA rivalry with the Clippers and the Lakers. I was hoping that maybe something would get ignited, and maybe see something of uh, importance uh, down the line. But it's not looking too optimistic from my end. How about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like I said, I think that that was a, an aberration. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I can't really explain losing by fifty. I I've really never seen that before. But you know, hopefully, hopefully, that's not a sign of things to come. But um, my AO moment comes from off the court uh comes from what i thought was my favorite genre of movies and in disney movies um let me paint a picture for you guys um i'm sitting down on my couch watching disney plus they have a new movie out called soul uh, disney pixar i mean pixar hits home runs with their movies all the time and You know, I'm watching and it's a lovely story about a a soul that is looking to get back into a musician's body and, and, you know, just sitting there enjoying myself and and I'm watching and, and there's a scene where the soul has been messing with an NBA team for so long and then it cuts to a scene with a New York Knicks player getting stuffed at the rim on a dunk at the buzzer and the announcer says, and the Knicks lose again. Let me tell you, I have never been so appalled and straight disappointed in Disney, who I, I, I get comfort in watching Disney movies, and now they've taken a pot shot at my Knicks. Listen, join the club. No one is safe. I thought it was just Knicks for clicks, you know, where where people <laughs> write articles about the Knicks, even though they're not the worst team in the league. But now apparently it's Knicks for views, and they had to just take a shot at my Knicks, and I just thought it was just just that was my A.O. moment, it was just completely unacceptable. And just like, come on, man. It's like, was it really necessary? Was there like the whole movie? Such a great movie. Did you really need to add that in? I could have gone without it. So that's my A.O. moment. Disney, I might have to cancel my Disney Plus membership at this point. <laughs> you know, you got to win me back. That was that was brutal, oh, man. That was, come on, man. It was brutal.
0: But like, do you think it's that shocking? I mean, the only reason why I'd be shocked because Disney is more fiction related, and the fact they're able to portray some reality to it seems oh, pretty shocking. Dare you. So I don't know. I don't,
1: you take that <laughs> I don't back. to
0: say about that? But um, no, I mean that's that's unfortunate. I couldn't relate. I wouldn't be able to see any raptor slander through Disney Plus. So I mean, that's a that's no a one cares you.
1: about the raptors, but that's a, that's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> I guess we'll end AO moment of the week with that note as for blog boy talk so all your blog boys and fanboys that's going to use everything i say and create an article yeah watch a basketball game how about you write that we do have a few questions that actually came into our social media account that i wanted to discuss with you guys and if that's okay the first question would be who is the best point guard in the nba so i guess i'll start off with you You chime in on that
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, you could look at it from the traditional standpoint of like, a, you know, uh, the top assist getter or, you know, or you can just look at it, who the best player at the position is. And I, I think I'm going to have to choose the latter. And, and it still has to be Steph Curry for me, uh, former MVP, you know, still one of the best players in the world. Top five player in the world easily, um, you know, shot maker, shot creator um, you know, can can do it all himself, can can get his players involved. He single handedly I think made Draymond Green valuable where otherwise I don't think he would be. You know he's made Clay Thompson into a perennial All Star. You know with Clay's catch and shoot ability because Steph has amazing mm-hmm. court vision. Uh, he sees the floor so well. He scores the ball so well. He's a proven leader. Um, and I think he might have been injured last year, but he's still he's still one of the best to do it. And especially at his position, I gotta go with Steph Curry.
0: I mean that's a good answer. The other player that I was gonna go with from a, a traditional point guard standpoint would be Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I feel like they have similar games in terms of scoring at a at a large clip, obviously getting their teammates involved. The only thing with Damian Lillard that may have a little bit more of a track record was the ability to hit big shots when it matters, uh, whereas Steph Curry, I know there's a very infamous stat with Steph Curry in the playoffs, I believe in the last minute or so. I think he's shooting like 27-ish percent, which is not so great from an MVP caliber player like Steph Curry. Game on the line, one shot.
1: Who would you rather have taking it, Iggy or Curry? Of everyone on Golden State, open shot, fate of the universe on the line, or the Martians have the death beam pointed at Earth, you better hit it. I want Iguodala.
0: Um So if, if it wasn't for Steph Curry, I'd probably select uh, Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers. But if we're going to talk about just the duties of a point guard, I'll probably say LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, being a a 6'9 point guard, being able to see the floor better than anyone else and making elite and crisp passes, putting his teammates in the best positions to be involved in the offense and be able to hit shots at a high clip is definitely worth noticing. People people say that he's the best player in the world, and he's definitely uh, one of the top players out there in the game. So I'd probably say LeBron James when it comes to the point guard duties. But as for a traditional point guard, I'd stick with Damian Lillard as for it can go wrong yeah yeah you can't go wrong with with either option I, w- I wouldn't be mad so that will wrap up the blog boy talk the one thing i wanted to add before i conclude this podcast uh just as a side note uh non-basketball related but i just finished my fantasy football week i was in the finals against sean a guy in our league and i know that you Yazin, have participated in fantasy so i'm sure that you're able oh, to yeah be- Uh, understand what just happened but basically the first game was the Friday game I think between the Saints and the Vikings where my opponent had Alvin Kamara and I'm sure (laughs) I'm sure you probably saw it on Twitter and and other platforms where Alvin Kamara literally torched that Vikings rushing defense by scoring six total touchdowns and a fantasy points total non-PPR mind you of 53 points Oh so I was God. I was already down the hole, and you and you understand that one player that scores fifty three points on your fantasy team will obviously be in a good position to win the championship or at least win the, win the matchup. Correct? It's a, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Well, hold on for a second. So I had I believe I had a couple players playing on the weekend, and basically I was able to narrow down the deficit to about twenty eight points heading into the Monday night game which I had Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs left, and he did not have any players left. And I'm sure you probably saw the box score today. (laughs) Whooped on him. Yeah, it was was definitely very tragic for Sean as he not only lost the finals, this is the second finals back-to-back, which he lost, but in the fashion that he did where he blew a 53-point lead and then lost by 40 points. So Gosh. I am now crowned the champion of my league, thanks to Sean and his cockiness on Friday night. I was able to prevail. To add the cherry on top, he is a Pats fan, and the Bills absolutely destroyed the Pats today. So mm. that mm. was a that was a two for one situation there. So I just wanted to give that shout out and the fact that he put a whooping uh, on that boy. But the thing is, though, he's one of our top supporters of our podcast. So I just wanted to give him a shout out there. You know, so. <laughs> We'll just keep it at that. For sure. (laughs) But anyway, let's just wrap this up. better Uh, luck next year, Sean. Yep, indeed. Let's wrap it up. Like I said, we appreciate you listeners for tuning in once again. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast account, GamePointPod on IG and GamePointPod underscore on Twitter. We're going to be live on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hey, speaking of Apple Podcasts, we just got approved. I just got the email not too long ago. So we'll definitely be able to support our Apple listeners. Uh, stay tuned for that. And do you have anything else to add, Yesin?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, keep showing the love. We're now approved on Apple. Thank you guys. So Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, uh, keep uh, following rate, review, subscribe, uh, send in some more blog boy, uh, talk messages. Like let's answer some questions. Let's talk it up. You know, you know, we're, we're, we're a very small operation here, just the two of us. Uh, you know, but we, you know, we know a lot of people who, who, are, who love the NBA, who love talking basketball, uh, who now have an outlet for it. So, Uh, Let's keep this train going. Let's keep it rolling. Uh, We appreciate the love. We appreciate the support. Uh, And, yeah, thank you very much.
0: Again, don't forget to like and subscribe. With that said, that's game.